1: or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
2: First things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Hero. The- 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 I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey! Here I come. You can
0: book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's sticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breathtaking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that's what it takes. I push the limit till it breaks. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold
2: up. Welcome. (laughs) What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you as I love to do multiple times a week. We're here in our studios thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. You know something? I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to have a book. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Second chances and first takes authored by yours truly. It's been on the New York times bestseller list for the last five weeks. It's dedicated to my mother. Um, and it's basically a story about what I've gone through throughout my life, trials and tribulations I endured and how I maneuvered my way through that terrain to get to where I am today. And I've been very blessed and fortunate to be in a position that I'm in. And, you know, I got to tell you, the title, that's the only reason I just brought up the book, because the title matters. Because the title, I don't know about everybody else, but the title has always been what I prided myself on being about and what I like surrounding me. Yes, I want you to speak respectfully. Yes, I want you to speak in a decent way, but I still want you to be a straight shooter. I still want you to be somebody that gives it to me straight. No chaser. Just tell me what it is that you think you feel, why, and I'm good. Let me know where you stand and I'm cool with it. We live in a world today where that ain't the case. Where every time we turn around, we got to watch and monitor every syllable, literally every noun and pronoun we utter out of our mouths. That's how bad it is. The truth doesn't seem to matter. Intent seems to have taken a significant backseat. And it's all about or it appears to be all about how stuff is inhaled, who can primarily embrace victimhood, and we go from there. Stuff is open and subject to interpretation, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're a straight shooter, remember, you maneuver through all of that fogginess, and you get to the heart of matters. That's what I love. It's what I pride myself on striving to do every single day. I'm over the airwaves. Whether it's on First Take on ESPN, whether it's on NBA Shootaround, whether it's the NBA in Stephen A's world, whether it's on No Mercy, whether it's writing my book. It's what I try to do. Order, in, order in the number of appearances I make on various cable networks and networks, period, across the stratosphere. Somebody's got to be straight. Somebody's got to be willing to say what it is, whatever the heck it is. And that's why my next guest is somebody I couldn't wait to talk to. Because you see, when you bring up the words live golf, L-I-V, live golf, it's not really about golf at all in a lot of people's minds. It's about Saudi Arabia. It's It's about human rights violations. It's about the murder of a journalist. It's about money. It's about things that we try to pretend to portend we're really, really not about. But we've been about for, on far too many occasions with far too many people. Somehow, some way. The United States government has done business with Saudi Arabia. Various other corporations. From America have done business with Saudi Arabia, but stopped the presses when golfers decided to be sponsored by a Saudi Arabian prince. Stop the presses. I mean, what the hell are we going to do? I love the fact that my next guest didn't care about any of that. Born in Ireland, became a naturalized citizen in the United States in 2010. Self-proclaimed alcoholic, diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2011. But he spent most of his career in Europe where he won five European tour tournaments. Played on the PGA Tour from 1994 and 1995. Retired in 1997. Has been one of the premier broadcasters for many years. In 2011, premiered his own golf show on the Golf Channel, interviewing golfers. 2016, also joined NBC Sports as a full-time analyst. And then in 2022, he shocked a lot of people when he announced he would depart NBC to become an analyst for Live Golf. People were in an uproar. They were going off. People talked about betrayal, alluded to to a lack of patriotism. Again, he's a natural, you know, he's a United States citizen, but he was born in Ireland. Say whatever you want. But I'll tell you this. David Faraday ain't no joke. He's known for telling you what he believes, how he feels and why, and calling it like he sees it. So when he talks, you should listen. And you'd be surprised because it's not just about golf. It could be about alcohol, alcoholism. It could be about bipolar disorder. It could be about a lot of things. It would be about the hypocrisy of some people in this country in terms of what they say compared to what they do and what they mean. If anybody's going to give it to us straight, it would be him. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Again, the name is David Ferry. He's up next. Or well, no mercy for George. Truly,
0: this is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me? High? Who gon' stop me? High?
2: My guest today is a former PGA professional turned analyst who acted as the on-course reporter for NBC Sports while also hosting his own show, Faraday, for 10 years on the Golf Channel. That is until his departure last year to become lead broadcast analyst for the Live Golf League. Please welcome the one and only David Faraday, the straight shooter himself. What's up, buddy? How you doing? How's everything? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, it's an honor and a privilege to talk to you because I pride myself of being the straight shooter and I have nothing on you. Let me say that for the record. I have nothing on you at all. You are the lead broadcast analyst for Live Golf. If somebody says to you, why, knowing this is backed by Saudi Arabia, what do you say as an answer to that question?
3: Well, you know, Saudi Arabia uh, has their hand in all kinds of sports all over the world and all kinds of business, you know, with Formula One, with soccer and all kinds of things. And, and you know, in, in my experience, Stephen, over, over the last 50-something years of being in golf, you know, sports, they bring people closer together. They don't force them farther apart, you know. So, uh, you know, for me, it was never really much of a decision.
2: Well, you do understand that some people are going to look at you and they're going to raise that eyebrow, David Faraday, because you know what? I'm just reading some of my notes here. You've said that now you're calling live tournaments, you'll finally be able to be yourself and have a personality on air, unlike other sports broadcasters. And you also said, let me quote you here. My goal is to piss off at least one viewer per week, but I'm hoping for more. Now that's what you said, sir. That doesn't exactly sound like somebody trying to bring people together. Wouldn't you say?
3: You know, I I said years ago, you know, when I got into television, you know, I'm going to try and and make people laugh. And if I can't, you know, make them laugh, I want to make them smile. If I can't make them smile, well, they're the assholes I wanted to piss off in the first place.
2: (laughs) So he's just having a good time. I just want to make sure he's just having a good time. I got you. You know when 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 we think about LIV golf just so you know and I'm quite sure you know this because you've seen me say this I came to the defense of the Phil Mickelsons of the world the Dustin Johnsons of the world and various others my attitude is very very simple the United States government does business with Saudi Arabia why is it that people are calling out individuals who are playing a sport more so than they're calling out our very own government that was my position what do you feel about that
3: well, I mean, I agree with you completely. And thank you for, for taking that position. You know, I mean, you were one of the guys that, that jumped uh, in there and, and, and supported us. Yeah, you, you know, the, the world does business with Saudi Arabia, you know, and, and this is golf. It's, it's just a game where you're trying to put a ball in the hole. You know, it's, it's, it shouldn't be taken that seriously. Um, it, it's just a sport. It's a diversion. It's, it's something that, that takes our mind off, you know, things.
2: Well, listen. You've got Mohammed bin Salman, I believe his name is. He's the proud prince of Saudi Arabia. He's obviously backing all of this. Some people point out the fact that he doesn't play golf. He's never had any interest in golf. You know. So, what do you think, what, Stephen A. What? What? What's his agenda in all of this? Why would he pick this, knowing that it would disrupt the PGA? To that, you say what? Who people that? From people that ask questions about the Saudi Arabian's government. What their objective and agenda is in creating Live Golf? What do you say to all of that?
3: It's you know disruption is good, competition is good in in any sport, um, and and you can see the effect that that we have had uh, on the PGA Tour. They're not p- paying their players, you know, to show up rather than you know just showing up for. Uh, you know, two rounds and not getting paid. Everyone gets paid on the PGA Tour now, you know, they find 250, 300 million dollars somewhere that we didn't know that they had, you know, and all of uh, all as a result of Lib showing up. Uh, and we can see some of the uh, innovations that, that we have in broadcasting as well are being picked up by other networks. You know, so, I mean, disruption is good. Uh, it, anytime you get competition, it's good. And I think that's the reason that they jumped in. Highlight this for me, because you would know I wouldn't. Give me a
2: picture, paint a picture of what life was like for a PGA tour player before live golf ever came around.
3: Yeah, it, it it's a really hard sport to make money in, and I know there's a lot of money in it these days, but there are so many good young players out there. You know, only the top 125 get to compete. Um, you qualify through, uh, you know, various other tours around the world, the PGA Tour Latin America, the Corn Ferry Tour, there's the finals, you know, and, and there's a turnover uh, at the bottom of that, you know, 125 every year. We, uh, we have 48 players uh, at Live, you know, all of whom play every week. Yeah, uh, and uh, more than a third of our our players have played Ryder Cup or Presidents Cup. More than a quarter of them are major champions. You know, so they they show up week in, week out. You know what you're going to get. Um, life on the on the PGA Tour is, you know, from if you're in the top thirty, you're making a hell of a living. You know, and even you know below that now, we we've, we've actually forced them to to let the guys play for more money and, and force them to guarantee the guys at the bottom end of that uh, money list, you know, money as well. So basically what you're telling me is that the PGA was treating people like garbage until Liv came along.
2: Is that a safe way to say it?
3: Well, I wouldn't say they treated them like garbage. You know, they get treated pretty well, but, you know, n- not commensurate to the, the amount of effort that it takes, you know, to, uh, and the amount of talent that it takes to just get on tour.
2: Mm-hmm. What were y'all thoughts when you heard someone like Tiger Woods come forth? And literally, I'm not paraphrasing him; I'm not quoting because I don't remember his exact quote. But he basically accused any golfer that was departing from the PGA to join Liv un- disloyal and, and alluded, alluded to betrayal. What were your thoughts and those of the golfers that are participating in the live golf tournaments. I mean, that's with live right now. What were y'all thoughts when y'all heard that from Tiger Woods?
3: Well, it, you know, it's been a long time since, uh, you know, the PGA tour came into existence. I think it was in the early seventies where they split from the PGA and there was a, there was a furor then, you know I mean? We should, they shouldn't be two separate organizations. You know, I, I mean, th- this happens from, from time to time in history, where uh, an interloper comes along, you know, and throws a spanner in the works, you know, and, and wear that spanner and, you know, happy to be it.
2: You know, I'm looking at this right now and, and, and I'm just paying attention to some of the stipulations that has been written. I made sure to write it down here. Just looking at some of the things that, you know, are required uh, for, for example. Differences between the PGA and the Live Golf tournaments. I want to make sure I'm right about this because I don't know, David. I don't know. You know. So I'm going to ask you. Says PGA Tournament has four rounds. The Live Golf has only three. Yes. No cuts. No cuts. Live has no cuts with just 48 players, like you said, that play all three rounds. PGA has over 100 players per event with a cut after the second round. That is correct, right? That's correct. Payouts. Live players get paid no matter what in contrast to the PGA, and the LIV payouts dwarf any PGA Tour purse. Is that correct?
3: Well, uh, they, they don't dwarf any PGA Tour purse. I think uh, the guy that won at Riviera, whoever won at Riviera, I can't recall who it was, you know, won okay. $3.6 You know, I mean, our guys, well, the top prize each week is $4 million, but it's consistent at that. And then there's the team money uh, as well. They play for $5 million in team Uh, prize uh, every week, and there's a $50 million team uh, event at the end of the season. You know, Mm -hmm. that's one of the main differences between us and the PGA Tour is we have that team aspect as well. Mm. What
2: if David Faraday, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and the crew, what if Live Golf is so successful that ultimately it leads to... The disintegration of the PGA as we know it. Yeah. How would that make you feel?
3: Uh, well, that, that's not the object of this. You know, I, that's not going to happen. Okay. Um PGA Tour is strong, you know, and it's a great place to play. You know, we're just providing a different place to play, you know, for uh, an equal or, or, or larger sum of money. Mm. I mean, they are both going to survive, believe me
2: they're both going to survive. But the PGA has given the impression at least at one point in time that their very survival was at stake. And that's how they treated you guys. They treated you guys as if oh my God, you're jeopardizing everything that we've built.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, everybody just needs to drink a big cup of chill up, chill out. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's not a disaster. It's not the end of the world. You know, we're just doing something different. That's all. And, uh, you know, we're and we're enjoying doing it. The players are enjoying doing it. The broadcasters, the fans have enjoyed it. It's a different experience. You know, I mean, it's it's all right. Everything will be okay. Do you see any other big stars leaving the PGA to come join Live? It could happen. You know, it could happen over the next years. Uh, we'll see. Um, the uh, The bottom four. Uh, Of our 48 will uh, be relegated, kind of like, you know, football or uh, soccer, you know, the the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, four will be elevated from the international tour, which has also been, you know, pumped full of money uh, and is played all over the world. We're playing in seven different countries, Mm -hmm. uh, 14 events, you know, between now and the end of uh, November. It's the first true global tour uh, that's shown up.
2: We've seen what the reaction has been by some, not all, by some in America. What has the reaction been to Live Golf in other places throughout this world? Since you just highlighted how y'all traveling to several
1: Uh,
3: countries, yeah, well, you know, we're on uh, available in 180 different countries, um, different platforms, you know, streaming, live streaming on LiveGolf.com on uh, the CW.com. Um, it's, uh, it's really available. And, uh, you know, now that we're on the CW, the network, you know, where that audience is going to grow, uh, as the weeks go by as well.
2: Let me ask you this, because you being an analyst an analyst extraordinaire, as far as I'm concerned, incredibly compelling and interesting. It's great to listen to you because I have listened to you in the past. I, w- I often wonder because again, it's, it's, it's a global sport. Do you find that you need to be different? depending on which area of the world you're in when you're broadcasting about about golf?
3: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good question. No, I, I, I don't think so. You know, I mean, we're, we're catering to English speakers um, at this point, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't try to do anything different, whether, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm being heard at Easter Island, you know, which we, we've, we are, you know, or in Antarctica or, uh, you know, on, on, all the continents in the world, mm-hmm. you know I, we we just try to do a great job in english yeah. do you Do you miss doing work for the golf channel? Uh, I miss my show. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I do. you know what do you miss about it? For ten years, and uh, it was it was a hell of a run. It, it was a lot of fun to do,
2: yeah, I'm asking what did you miss what do you miss about it specifically? What is it that you miss about it that you can't do now with what you're doing with live golf?
3: Well, I miss the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a really tight knit crew. And I, I miss, you know, being able to meet the kind of people, you know, I, I interviewed four presidents, um, you know, actors, t- captains of industry, athletes, uh, you know, from all sports. And, and it was really cool, you know, just to get to meet those people and, mm-hmm. and to get to know them.
2: You became a naturalized citizen in the United States in 2010. You were born in Ireland. I I want you to tell my audience a little bit about yourself because you're known once again as that straight shooter. You call it like you see it. There's no question about it. For guys like myself growing up on the streets of New York City in the United States, New York City. You know, one of the things that I find very, very interesting is that, you know, When I cover sports, I just call it like it is. It's like, this is what I see. This is how I see you performing. That is what it is. But with golf, like it is with tennis, they bring up sports etiquette a lot. You know, there's a way to say things. There's a way to convey certain things. You could be critical of somebody, but let's make sure we're not too critical. This is the kind of stuff that we hear. I love the fact, the thing I love about you is you don't seem to pay attention to any of that. You're just going to call it like you see it. Is that truly how you view yourself is that truly an accurate way to view David Faraday?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I expect people to have a sense of humor about themselves, and and golfers are pretty good when it when it comes to that. You know, I'd, I've uh, you know I poke fun at people all the time on the air, and uh, I've really only had one issue uh, with that over the, the almost thirty years that uh, uh, I've been in it, and that was with Colin Montgomery. Mm. You know. Because I nicknamed him Mrs. Doubtfire. He <laughs> never really got over that. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. maybe did, did, what, what part did he have a problem with? Doubtfire
2: or Mrs.? <laughs> Which one was it?
3: Yeah, well, I, I tried to convince him. I used to write the back page for Golf Magazine, you know, and, and I wanted him to do a cover, you know, as Mrs. Doubtfire with the vacuum cleaner and the golf clubs. You know, people would have loved him for it. Mm. you know uh, just you know to find that sort of self-deprecatory side uh, of himself but uh, you know unfortunately he couldn't he, he could never get there with with, with that
2: mm. never got over it still holds it against you to this very day is that true pretty much pretty much <laughs> is it true that you had that you suffered from bipolar disorder you received a bipolar yes. disorder diagnosis in 2011
3: yes yeah mm. it, yeah i struggled with anxiety and depression and uh you know i I have good days and bad days, but any any day that I'm you know around golf and and working you know on the air, you know is, is a good one for me. i I'm an addict, you know, I'm an alcoholic as well. and mm. uh, you know spare time is my worst enemy, Stephen. Mm. Uh, so you know i I need to be working. and uh, i'm I'm delighted that it's golf season again.
2: It's interesting that you say that. I, I I don't know if you watch soap operas in the United States at all, but there's a star, there's a soap opera General Hospital on ABC that I'm actually a part of. And the star of the show, his name is Maurice Bernard. He plays Sonny Corinthos. And he struggled for years with bipolar disorder. And during the pandemic, you know, he recently confessed that he was contemplating taking his own life because that's how difficult it was for him to have that level of idle time. I'd like you to take a moment when you talk to to speak to that as a person that suffers from bipolar disorder, you got diagnosed in 2011 and you talk about idle time being that difficult thing for you and what have you, what advice can you give to people out there who are struggling with similar symptoms that you've experienced su- suffering from bipolar disorder themselves? What would you like to say to them?
3: Well, d- depression is an epidemic, Stephen, and, and, and it's it's one of those things that it carries a stigma to this day, you know, that, that people don't want to admit yeah. uh that, you know they're sad or depressed or whatever and and people ask me well, what is depression and and I tell the best way I can describe it is it's it's sadness minus hope yeah. and that hope uh factor you know part of it is the single most important thing that a human being can have you can live without money you can live without love you 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 can you cannot live without hope you know yeah. so um, uh, whoever is around that person, you know, you, you, I, I'm lucky to have my wife and a, and a circle of, 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 people who know who I am, who know what I suffer with. And, and they know the signs when, uh, when, you know, I'm not feeling great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, have got that sort of support network, uh, around me. The, 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 pandemic was very difficult for me as well. Mm-hmm. All that spare time, you know, all I wanted, you know, all I wanted to do was drink and, uh, You know, it was extremely difficult. So I I understand, you know, what your friend goes through.
2: You just described the definition in your mind of depression. Describe or define sadness. And the reason I say that is because so many of us go through it, but we may not even think about putting forth a concerted effort to avoid sadness. It almost like it just drops on us. I mean, just drops on us out of nowhere. How do you define sadness? How do you avoid it?
3: Well, you know, depression is, like I said, you know, it's sadness minus the hope. You know, sadness is a temporary thing. Um, Hopefully, you know, if it's permanent, well, then you are depressed. It's one of those things. Um, But uh, that that hope element uh, is the single most important thing. You know, describing sadness is very difficult. Um, you know, it can be for any, any number of reasons. Um, but you know, if you have that hope, uh, underneath it all the time, you know, th- that's what'll keep you going.
2: Mm. You know, I think about you when you talk about <clears throat> how you just tell it like it is, you call it like you see it, you try to have a good time, et cetera, et cetera. But listening to you talk about this portion, this part of your life, if it were me and I was in your position. I would be absolutely petrified of losing my job because I know what potentially idle time would do to me. Do you ever find yourself looking at what you do for a living and how you go about doing what you do and finding yourself fearful at any time? that something you say or how you might turn somebody off could potentially cost you your job, which would obviously increase your idle time and therefore endanger yourself.
3: I, I don't think about that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm basically unfiltered. Look, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to go to places that. Uh, and it gets more and more difficult, Stephen. Uh, you know, this social environment that we find ourselves yeah. in at the minute, where there's somebody waiting around every corner to be offended. You know, we're uh, we're surrounded by people who think that their feelings are more important than the facts. And uh, I do a stand-up comedy tour around the country as well, and. Uh, it's it's hard to be a comedian these days. Uh, It really is. You know, this this wokeness is the death of comedy. I'm not sure who said that, but... uh, I feel the same way. I'm with you. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah.
2: So, why do it then? Why take the chance? Because if you're doing what you do, plus you're adding comedy on top of that, knowing that the culture that we're living in is almost, or as you would say, the death of comedy why even take the chance why bother
3: well it's it's for the buzz you know i'm an addict um you know that's that's what i look for uh and there's no greater buzz than making an audience laugh than than putting 1200 1500 people in a theater and and seeing them you know blowing snot bubbles you know down there that that gives me a you know a charge you know that's much greater than any drug and uh, you know I have to be I have to be careful because right after a show I have a tremendous sort of a uh, there's a, a decline you know on mental health <laughs> it, uh, it, it's tough to it's tough to go on stage you know by yourself with a microphone for two hours you know and make people laugh but it's even tougher to stop.
2: Mm. Respectfully, I ask this question: Is the buzz that you get from doing comedy? or to a lesser degree calling, you know, being an ad, uh, a broadcast analyst for golf yeah, is the buzz that you get from those things in any way, uh, equitable, relatable to the buzz you got from drinking alcohol.
3: Yeah, it is. It's better. Mm. It's much better. Yeah. You know, because it, it, uh, you know, it, it, it strokes my ego. Uh, it, uh, It just makes me feel better, you know, uh, as a person, whereas, you know, the alcohol was a temporary thing. You know, it's a it's a depressant, you know, Mm. in the long run. You know, it seems like a good idea at the time for me. Mm, Not so much.
2: Mm. Is that the advice that you would give to alcoholics that find that passion that gives you that kind of buzz in some other way? And that way that would facilitate you not drinking?
3: yeah for sure if you're lucky enough to have something in your life the 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 way that I have yeah, yeah. absolutely I would right. say that
2: does live golf do that for you now
3: yeah it does mm. it does it uh, it really uh, you know we we're on the air for five and a half hours um it's with no no commercial breaks because when we do go to commercial, we have the world feed, and you know the rest of the world gets it uh you know, outside of America gets the, the full five and a half hour show. So it, it's kind of exhausting, you know, live, you know, for that length of time. But, man, you know, it, it's just uh, I, uh, I take my medicine the night before and I look forward to the following day.
2: How long have you committed to doing it?
3: Uh, five years. Mm.
2: You look like you got about 10 to 15 more in you, buddy.
3: I got to uh, admit it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm in the back nine, Stephen. You know, there's no question, but I'm not done.
2: Isn't it fair to say, before I let you get on out of here, that one of the exciting elements about this is because it's growing? Whether people like it or not, whether they want to admit it or not, Live Golf seems like it's here to stay. I mean, you got about $3 billion in your coffers from Saudi Arabia for crying out loud. You're not going anywhere. So in light of that reality, um, it, I'm looking at it and I'm saying it's not going anywhere so I anticipate that the longer it's around, the less noise that's made about it, the more receptive others will be to joining live golf, which means it's one thing to have live golf and the money. It's one thing to have, you know, 48 players with just 3 rounds. You're probably anticipating significant growth in the next few years to come. Isn't that safe to say?
3: Oh, absolutely. You know, we're expecting to grow and we're expecting, you know, the 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 World Golf rankings to change as well because, you know, right now they're irrelevant. Uh we've got players like Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka and whatever they're they're ranked, I don't know, in the hundreds, mm-hmm. you know, of the official World Golf ranking. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So, I mean there has to there are other systems out there that can be used, you know, where uh, SI, you know, has a uh, a ranking system. There are a couple of others, you know, that work pretty well. Also, so, you know, if if you're going to have the best players in the world playing in the best tournaments, they, they need to fix that.
2: Are these players happy to be there?
3: Oh, yeah. You can't believe the atmosphere in the locker room. You know, the shotgun start that puts everybody on the golf course together. You know, the team aspect, you know, they're really uh, uh, the players are really invested in the team uh, mm. side of it. Uh, pulling for each other and you know from a personal standpoint you know I I always played best when I played in a team whether it was a Ryder Cup or a World Cup um, you know that that was that's what did it for me you know Mm -hmm. in golf, you can see it you know in their eyes out there you know they're having a good time.
2: If you could pick one player that isn't a part of Live Golf that you wish was a part of Live Golf right now who would that player be?
3: Oh wow that's Man, that's a tough one. Um, boy, you know, I mean, it, it's these are pipe dreams, obviously. You know, I mean, I would love to see Rory McElroy or I'd love to see, a, you know, a, you know, a Justin Thomas. You know, the, these kids are so talented. Uh, it's mm-hmm. amazing. But, we, you know, we, we've got some of the best players in the world. They, as I said, they play every week. You know, we don't have to worry about a weak field. You know, our fields are strong every mm-hmm. single week
2: have you been able to maintain all the friendships that you had throughout your years associated with the PGA or have you lost friends along the way because of your decision uh, to work for live golf?
3: Well, I mean, if I've lost friends, they haven't told me. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They've kept it to
2: themselves
3: so far. So good.
2: I got you. Last question, uh, you know, Charles Barkley, uh, second to last question, actually. Charles Barkley was thinking about coming over, it didn't work out. Obviously, he was offered the opportunity to come over there and be a part of Live Golf with Greg Norman and those guys reaching out. What were your thoughts about, or what would your thoughts be if Charles Barkley had been involved?
3: Oh, I would have loved Charles. You know, I had him on my talk show, and and just, I mean, you know, Charles, he's just a joy to be around. Mm. Uh, one of the and one of the kindest, nicest people that you're ever going to meet in your yes, life. Totally you know, true. So, So, yeah, I would love to have seen
2: him. Mm. Last question to you. Um, Live Golf, David Faraday, you have a message to send to the world on behalf of Live Golf and your participation in the sport. Above all else, what do you want the world to know?
3: I want them to come join our team. You know, we've got uh, a set of broadcasters, a set of players, a set of officials. You know that are you know we feel like we're on a on a pirate ship at the moment. You know, sailing the high seas, doing something different, and uh, it is different. You know, we want you to come and you know forget everything that you've heard, just watch a golf tournament uh, on uh, on a live broadcast on the CW. You know, come along and watch it. You know, tell us what you think.
2: Mm. David Faraday broadcast extraordinaire now working for live golf right here with no mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Really, really appreciate your time. I really enjoy talking to you. Can't wait to meet you one day. Face to face, buddy. I really can't.
3: I'd love to. Thanks, Stephen. Thank
2: you. You Take care of yourself.
0: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. I, flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high?
2: Thanks again, the one and only David Faraday for coming on. No mercy with yours truly. Really, really appreciate what he had to say. And I gotta admit to you, as compelling and interesting as the live golf angle is, considering some of the things that we pointed out. Three rounds of golf and live instead of four rounds with the PGA tournament. No cuts. At all 48 players that play all three rounds, whereas the PGA has over a hundred players per event with a cut after the second round. All right. Live players getting paid no matter what in contrast to the PGA and funding in excess of $3 billion from crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. Those things are very, very compelling. If you're a golfer, you don't care about golf. Not that compelling. But ain't you interested in alcoholism? Ain't you interested in bipolar disorder? Ain't you, are you not interested in the kind of things that compel you to become an addict? That compel you to be sad and fall into a state of depression? Aren't you interested in learning how to avoid those things? How to combat those things so you can live to see another day? as opposed to, God forbid, dare I say, taking your own life. David Faraday alluded to all of that. He didn't have to, ladies and gentlemen. He took time out to bless us with that level of knowledge, being the straight shooter that he is. And that's what I want to call my interview segments. It's really about straight shooters, because I don't have any time for mishmash you know, people dancing around, issues trying to act like they the second coming to Fred stare. I ain't got any interested in that. I want straight shooters when I'm talking to them. That's how you show mercy. That's how you display mercy. That's how you make sure to to let everybody know you know what mercy is. Because how can you be merciful or provoke others to do the same if you're not telling the truth about anything? And keeping it real with the people you're asking to listen to and hear your stories. That's what David Faraday did for us today. And talking with us. About what ails him. He doesn't say he was an alcoholic. He says he is one. He doesn't say he suffered from anxiety and depression. He says he does. Still do. It's a battle for him every day. Surrounding yourself with loved ones. Avoiding having too much idle time. Because idle time is the devil's playground they say. All of these things. Play a pivotal role. In your mental fortitude and your willingness and your dedication towards being all that you can be. I think David Faraday touched a lot of lives today. Might've turned a lot of people off because they don't want him to support live golf because the Saudi Arabian government supports that. But alcoholism, alcoholism, bipolar disorder, these are issues that resonate the world over, not just here in this country. Anytime you can spew something that reminds us of our better selves and gives us insight into how better the world can be and can be made to be, we should take, the, we should take advantage of that opportunity. I'm glad he did. Appreciate him and thank him again. The one and only David Faraday right here. Well, no mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. You don't have to know sports to know mercy, but it's beautiful to have somebody that knows both. Like him. Until next time, everybody. Peace and love. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.